Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Um, not sure why our intro video didn't come on there, but anyway, <laughs> you get to see our faces just as quickly. So, what, what, what's not to like? Um, uh, yes, we're back for match day, uh, match week 23 review uh, with myself and Peter. Mark is in the UK as we speak, but he is busy, unfortunately. So, you are with myself and Peter this evening. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of a look forward uh, to the Dortmund-Chelsea uh, match, as well as having a, a brief preview of, of Bayern PSG as well. Then we'll get into um, some review of, of match week 23. Um, pretty much as you were from last week, the title race, although it's probably now shaped down to two, we've got a five-team relegation race, which is heating up even more and loads of other entertaining things to get our teeth stuck into this evening. But before we do so, make sure to smash a like and comment uh, this evening. If you're watching live, if you've got questions uh, for us, please do smash them in. If you just got general thoughts about how the games went, please do let us know. We welcome it all as ever. And of course, please do press that red button and subscribe to the channel to make sure you don't miss out on all this brilliant Bundesliga action, as well as the Football League uh, weekly show as well. Uh, we are in partnership with uh, Bully News, who, of course, Peter writes for, a fantastic website that, of course, we are working with Runa with on the fantasy show every week. Uh, everything from long reads, uh, North American uh, or the Americans in the Bundesliga, which Peter writes, as well as the tactical weekly um, piece amongst everything else uh, of course we are also in partnership with bundesliga boxes fantastic company that provides you with authentic german t-shirts uh, from as high up as the bundesliga all the way down to regional league so make sure you get across to twitter and check them out as well um right then peter so Dortmund chelsea's second leg one nil as it stands what are we feeling for tonight? So kickoff is just less than an hour, hence why we're doing the show an hour early, so we can all watch and enjoy it. Um, from from the UK standpoint, so the English media, there's quite a lot of confidence for Chelsea, which I am flabbergasted by, to be honest. Um, but what what's the what do you think the state of play is, and what are you expecting for tonight's match? Um, I hope for a great one, of course. Hope for an instant classic. Uh, Dortmund, we should emphasize, have won all of their matches, all of their fixtures on the bounce in the new calendar year since play resumed. They are uh, riding a 10-match winning streak, uh, undefeated in 2023. Just having a quick look at the team sheets there, I see that uh, the only change is going to be a Guerrero in for the suspended uh, Rierson, is it? Um, and, of course, the key to this match is the fact that Gregor Kobel, the uh, <clears throat> number one choice Dortmund keeper, is not in goal. It is yeah. Alexander Meyer, who also had to fill in over the weekend. And if you compare those two players, if you contrast the two of them, Kobel is obviously, I believe, the better keeper. Uh, but Meyer is excellent at uh, passing out of the back. I think he's a little mm -hmm. bit quicker on his feet uh, than Kobel. Sure. So how the Dortmund build-up play looks in the first 10-15 minutes is going to dictate uh, a lot of what you're going to see uh, over the course of the full 90 minutes, how Meyer plays out of the back. Uh, I have confidence in Dortmund. I think that pretty much everyone is in excellent form. And yep. with the uh, the keys of, I was just, as a matter of fact, writing an article today about uh, the form of Emre Khan, 
who serves a very, very special tactical role in the Dortmund uh, set of tactics. He drops back and helps those center backs out, both on the build and in uh, defensive track backs. Yeah. Uh, and Marius Wolf is in the form of his life as well. Yes. Yeah, he may, may uh, get his first German uh, national team call-up. Mm -hmm. uh, he's played on both flanks as an attacker and uh, on both flanks as a fullback this season. So his time has finally come as well. And uh, he's definitely a player to watch if you're uh, tuning in this evening, which all football fans surely are. You wouldn't want to miss this one for the world. You would not, no. It, yeah, it stands to be a very exciting match. Uh, should, should we put down a couple of predictions then and, and move on to buying PSG? Um, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one-one. So Dortmund will go through two on an aggregate. Peter, what are you what are you saying? I think that's an excellent prediction, uh, and I'll predict goals for uh, Havertz, and um, we'll do uh, this Halea. Yeah, Havertz and Halea. The the two center forwards will swap goals at some point. That's my right, prediction. Pat. Excellent. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> Get your money on that. <laughs> uh, Brill, so that's obviously um, a really big Champions League game that is happening this evening and tomorrow. There is yet another one because we have Bayern versus PSG. Same scoreline, 1-0 in favour of the German side as it stands. Uh, there is no uh, Neymar. So he is out. He is out for the season, um, <clears throat> which is obviously a big blow for PSG. Uh, again, Peter, looking forward to this one. Again, stands to be a match that I would expect a few more goals in. Uh, mm -hmm. And PSG to come out fighting. But again, I can't see past a Bayern win. Yes, I uh, will tip a big Bayern win at home at the Allianz. Um, Bayern Stuttgart was the tactical focus piece in my weekly tactics uh, column. And my apologies to you, Rory. I, I know it wasn't uh, the most pleasant affair, although you can be proud of your team, particularly. Uh, the no, yeah, we'll certainly talk about that in, yeah, yeah. In, in a little while. Yeah. But everybody in Bayern is is in excellent form now. And Nagelsmann has more or less committed to starting the same starting 11. Uh, yeah. And that'll be uh, probably a 4-2-3-1, which sort of morphs into a 3-4-2-1 or a 3-4-1-2 and attack. He always has a, a, a different plan on the ball. But uh, Josip Stanisic, uh, the uh, the young Croatian right back, has been guaranteed a start. I think he was fabulous on Saturday evening. Yeah. Uh, Kimmich and Goretzka are both looking extremely good. Jamal Musiala, um, Alfonso Davies. Coman uh, had a little bit of a dip, but I think he, there was enough solid play. Delict was a huge player. Everybody on the Bayern pitch looked good yeah. uh, on Saturday. And a big, big uh, night for Thomas Müller. Uh, another goal for Eric Maxim Chopomoting. So I'm thinking Nagelsmann sticks with the same 11 and uh, they have a big win, maybe a 2-0, 3-0 win at the Allianz in front of their hometown fans. Very good. Yeah, I, I can't can't see past that. Uh, although I might I might give PSG one. I'll, I'll go 3-1 Bayern. So yeah, 4-1 four, four overall. Um, so yeah, lot, lots to look forward to this week. Uh, uh, this week mm -hmm. Alongside, of course, the Europa League. Swinging back into action, uh, and, and Leverkusen, uh, Union, and Freiburg will be diving into action as well. Um, some well, some good draws for uh, well, particularly Leverkusen and Union quickly, Peter, uh, and Sully trickier for Freiburg. Uh, do we think they'll be taking this competition seriously? Uh, in and amongst a bit of a drop in form with the Bundesliga, obviously, we'll come to their games in a, in a bit as well. Mm -hmm. Um, well, uh, Freiburg has a, a tough task ahead of them, uh, traveling to, uh, Turin or, mm. to, no, or 
what 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 do we call that city in English? It's it's uh, yeah, Turin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh yes, the Shroud of Turin, of course. Yes. Um, so <clears throat> I, um, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. Uh, Freiburg was uh, Streich deployed some zany tactics uh, over the weekend. He was dealing with some absences, of course. But um, I hope that uh, it is my great hope that he was playing his his real tactics, uh, a four four two with a short striker uh, that is quite effective, close to his vest, and that um, I mean it's a huge huge uh, night for German football. Uh, Freiburg mm -hmm. and Ventus have never met ever, uh, so it's uh, something where those of us who are uh, football diehards in the Bundesrepublik are are hoping that Freiburg really represent as well. Wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they didn't. Um, Union and Leverkusen uh, should definitely win. They they got a soft draw with uh, mm -hmm. the team uh, Saint Giles or Union. Yeah, it's Union versus Union, <laughs> and, Twice, uh, yes. and the Hungarian team Fener Fenerich Vakos Fenerich Vakos. How do you? Uh, what would what would be your? Uh... <laughs> uh, well, I think it's probably best I just don't bother trying. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, exciting nonetheless. And, you know, we, we want to see these Bundesliga sides representing uh, the league and, and doing really well. Uh, and and I, can, I can see them doing so. Uh, naturally, Frankfurt have got a bit of a bit of work to do against Napoli, uh, but that, that won't be till next week, uh, I believe. Uh, yeah, did you, um, uh, we should probably note that uh, Napoli have uh, denied Frankfurt travelling supporters a chance to... Yes, of course. For yeah. security reasons, and um, this is uh, well, you kind of knew something like this would happen down the line after what happened at the Camp Nou in the Europa League last season yeah. when the Frankfurt White Army invade, invaded the, the thing. So, you had a feeling that a team was going to take a cheap shot like this. Um, mm. and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with what Philip Retschka, he's an Eintracht Frankfurt board member, said today, and that is that it, this is a cheap competitive distortion trick uh you know uh, based on flimsy security concern problems it's it's really it's, it's a disappointing thing for european football and it does question the it does throw the integrity of the competition into question if a way for lens allows this to stand i mean yeah, it's, yeah simply well not yeah, I'm sure we all have our own thoughts on on UEFA mm. uh, as a as a body, but we'll we'll maybe not get into that right now. Um, but yeah, looking forward to all those games. But instead of looking forward, let's now look back uh, at match week 23 of the Bundesliga, and we're going to start uh, with our focus with um, with the title race. Uh, so we're flipping it around to what we did last week because we we started off with. Um, the, the relegation matches, so to speak. So we'll start off with the Friday night opener, uh, which finally Friday night got a game worthy of the, the slot uh, as as Leipzig uh, as uh, Leipzig and uh, Dortmund clashed. Uh, it was obviously a huge game for both sides. Um, I'm not sure if you can pin the game being more important to, to either side. Um, but because Dortmund was on, were on such a roll, I guess the pressure was on them to keep that up. Um, naturally, we all know the score. So Dortmund held on to get yet another win to stay perfect. Um, and what was a really interesting game, Peter, because I, I think from all the different stats that you can see from um, after the game, Leipzig naturally kind of came on top from a statistical point of view. 
uh, in kind of shots and, and, and things like that. And, and maybe even XG, I'd have to double check that. Um, yes, they did. Um, mm. Well above Dortmund, in fact. Um, but I think uh, I'm reading what you put from your tactical point of view. Terzic got things right and Rosa maybe just overthought things a little bit and it kind of led to a, uh, an RB Leipzig side who couldn't really get a hold of things. Um, the, the way that they set up, Hauslenberg um, was exposed quite badly. Um, Sposlai and, and Forsberg not get into the match. And, um, well, we can talk about the, the pattern of play in terms of the goals that actually happened, but uh, interesting to see what, what you made of, of Leipzig's efforts or performance. The, the first important thing to note is that uh, this does really put a huge dent in, in Leipzig's title hopes. I mean, it, it was a huge match for them. And um, you say overthought. I, I might make the case that Rosa underthought a little bit because he was trying to to get this Red Bull 4-2-2-2 system uh, back in play. You know, this is... The, the Red Bull system, since Ralf Ranjik, uh, um, who was also at Hoffenheim and then later at Manchester United, uh, attempted, you know, since he built the club, since he built the culture at the club, um, Leipzig are supposed to, you know, the, the German Red Bulls on parade are supposed to um, run this 4 you know, with uh, Timo Van on the left lane. That was what Julian Nagelsmann frequently did. Uh, and that's what uh, Domenico Tedesco didn't do, and that's what Marco Rosa is supposed to do. And the system was inherently flawed uh, because Forsberg and Soboschlei were having uh, some difficulty operating with the build-up play central uh, on the approach. And furthermore, uh, Nkunku, who was injured again, uh, you know, he, yeah. he, he, he uh, aggravated an injury, and he'll be out uh, for the next month. Really, he did not look like he was ready to start. Uh, Rosa later admitted that he should have taken him out earlier. Uh, he was simply um, stale and late uh, in timing-wise. Uh, he his, his touch wasn't very clean. It wasn't very neat. So he I mean, it was got really... away with a nasty tackle in the first half, didn't he? Uh, yes. He was late on. Um, well, I can't remember who the player was, but it wasn't. Yeah, it, it was not particularly clever or. Because he was yeah. late in his timing. Yeah, I don't, I don't lend a lot of credence to the XG stats uh, in this particular case because a lot of it came when Leipzig really came on uh, towards the end. You know, when yeah. when Dortmund yeah. were sort of in managerial or administrative mode, whatever way you want to put it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think this was was very much a a deserved victory for Dortmund. Uh, tactically, Rosa just got everything wrong, and I, yeah. Yeah, I'll use the word underthought again. I mean, he sort of. He just was like, okay, I'm going to roll out the 4-2-2-2 and, and you know, the, the German yeah. Red Bull Parade culture is going to take over. And it didn't because there was, you know, everything was was wrong. Uh, Nkunku's acuity was off. Forsberg and Soboschlei were having difficulty. Halstenberg, um, uh, uh, just he wasn't the right man to start. He probably should have started Raum. As soon as he put yeah. Raum in, Raum affected the game. And Raum was the one who was instrumental in that uh, uh, one-two pullback, as was Zava Schlager, who is also now hurt uh, and probably mm. out for the season. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, Rosa will look back on this and 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 uh, and you know the the week that the title race probably slipped out of his hands and and certainly regret many of his decisions here. Yeah, 
Um, I, I'm guessing that we that we agree with the penalty that was given. Not a tremendous amount of contact um, by Blaswich, but when when Royce is running at that pace, um, I, I'm guessing we're we're okay with that. I thought it was a penalty. I, I don't think you can overturn that. Uh, and then, uh, do we agree with the the goal? Of course, that was ruled out for would would have been another goal for Julian Brandt uh, as he controlled. Uh, I think a, a Jude Bellingham diagonal ball over the top with mm. his eventually his arm so you, you in, in agreement with the yes. var decisions the refereeing decisions in that respect mm -hmm. absolutely That's absolutely grand mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice and easy for me then yeah i just wanted to see if we, if we had any thoughts on that and um, definitely ram had a good impact when he when he came on um dortmund you know owe a lot to Schlotterbeck's shoulder, uh, and then lastly, um, a good couple of saves by by Mayer. Although the, um, I think it was the Forsberg chance that was the last one. It was right at Mayer, although through a crowd of bodies, I suppose you have to give him credit for that. Mm. Um, so yes, so Dortmund did their job, and they went top of the Bundesliga uh, momentarily, uh, of course, because we still had. Uh, the, the matter of the Sud derby, uh, so Bayern travelled to uh, a very boisterous, uh, amazingly loud uh, Mercedes-Benz Arena. Um, it, it looked an incredible atmosphere uh, for, for Stuttgart, but um, it was an interesting match. Uh, and as you said earlier, Peter, um, not an ideal result, of course, for, for my boys, but again... <laughs> there were signs of I can be slightly uh, pleased or encouraged by parts of it. Um, the, they chose to press Bayern with high energy uh, in the right moments, I thought, uh, and obviously were um, a Matthias Delict boot away from taking the lead uh, from a Mavropanos deflected header, which I think was deflected uh, and was going in. Uh, and then, just as you think the plan is working, uh, Matthias De Ligt, important at one end, then becomes the, well, instrumental at the other end, just picking up a ball from Musiala in the middle of the pitch, um, 25, 30 yards out, shooting through a body of players and they're beating the incumbent goalkeeper at the moment, Bredlow, for Stuttgart, who had made some good saves before that, and Peter... What followed after that, unfortunately, was just too too much for Stuttgart to overturn after the lovely uh, lovely move for the Chupo Motting second goal. Um, yeah, it's um, I'm I'm fumbling a little bit for some good news for Stuttgart here. Uh, you know, it, it was obviously very admirable mm. how Lavia had them come out with that heavy press, and they had Bayern rattled for well, maybe eight minutes uh, before, <laughs> <laughs> before things got... Give us nine. Give us nine minutes. Yeah, or nine, okay. I don't want to shortchange you, my good man. I yes, never want yes. to shortchange it. Yeah, it's, uh, every minute counts. Uh, <laughs> it does. It does. Every second does. Um, you know, it's... Uh, the problem was, was that particularly on the counter, uh, Stuttgart really... I mean, you could just see the, the dearth of quality. I mean, Führich... Could, he was not fast enough. Uh, neither was Silas. Um, Silas being the former footballing artist known as Silas Wamangituka, uh, real name Silas Katompe Mvupe, mm -hmm. uh, 
now referred to as Silas, um, you know, Labadia directly called him out um, for not having the speed, not having the touch, not actually really filling in as a lead striker very well at all. And that was at a Monday press conference where the VfB Stuttgart sporting director, Fabian Volgemuth, said the same thing. So, um, you know, you, you think, aren't you being a little bit rough on the lad? I mean, he had that horrible ACL uh, uh, tear and then all yeah. of this business with his name and everything. And he's been through the German courts and whatnot. Seems like a, a, a lousy thing to do to, to you know, uh, <clears throat> talk a guy who's doing his best to fill in for, you know, as a lead striker when he's really a right wing uh, player who works better on mm -hmm. a split dagger with somebody like Sosa. Yep. We have that problem. And you also have the problem of Bredlov, as you brought up, um, that he was not cutting a fine figure at all uh, on that goal. I know he was a little bit screened by Mafropanos and Mafropanos mm -hmm. had to get out of the way. But um, yeah, I mean, you have Florian Müller uh, making mistakes and Labadia was backing him. And then Labadia changed his mind all of a sudden and said, I'm going to go with Bredlov. And, uh, and now he's making mistakes. Labadia is backing him again. I assume he's going to change his mind again. Are we going to have a freaking keeper carousel going on here uh, in the midst of a relegation race? That's not good. Nope. Um, Sven Mislintat got in a little bit of a dig uh, when he was uh, speaking. Who was he speaking with? Was it an interview with Sport 1, maybe? I forget. But in any case, uh, Mislintat pointed out that Labadia may be not the best fit for this team. And we see... You know, again, this this team is. I know it's tough against a, a team like Bayern, and and the way he coached his team, the way he told them to come out on the pitches is incredibly admirable. Uh, but I mean, we just see that a lot of his tactical moves are not working, uh, and you know, it's Anton again had problems uh, at right back. Mm -hmm. uh, he and Diaz, you know, they. Okay, I know you're playing against Alfonso Davies and Matthias De Ligt on that side. It's it's hard to match their pace. It's almost impossible to match their pace. And Bayern were very, very good on this day. But it's just so much is not working. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, given the state of the relegation race, when we talk about, when we get to it, about all the teams that are deadlocked on 19 points, Stuttgart are still better than some of the others. But uh, there are so many problems that we have to uh, that we have to address, and well, that we just that we did just address. Hold <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, so there. You can, you know, uh, if, uh, <laughs> we'll put it up. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's quite quite clear that, as you say, whilst the effort was admirable, the the quality was clearly not there. Um, of of course, they had a little bit of a of a late rally, uh, thanks to a very nicely finished off goal. And I, I must admit, um, gave me pleasure watching uh, that go in by uh, uh, Pereira, who has also not looked the part in the slightest um, in in a Stuttgart shirt. But his first Bundesliga goal uh, mm. will hopefully give him some confidence. Um, uh, nicely whipped in cross by Thiago Tomas, uh, and then. We Stuttgart could have actually nicked a two-two draw as incredibly unwarranted, perhaps as it may have been with that Kuabali header in um, in injury time from from a Watado Endo cross. Uh, but yes, uh, well, alas, it, it was yeah. too much. I'm afraid. I mean, that's what happened towards the end. 
uh, I don't know how much relevance that has. I mean, it's great that Pereira got his maiden Bundesliga goal. It's great that Tomas was back on the pitch and registered an assist. It's mm -hmm. great that Koulibaly uh, nearly equalized there. But the uh, the goal, amazing, amazing touch by Thomas Müller off there to Chupamoteng. I mean, that's what Thomas Müller can do. He can affect the game with one touch. Doesn't matter if he's old or slow or whatever. He just he knows where to touch the ball to, and that happened just prior to Nagelsmann's uh, sending on a triple substitution. So he was bringing on Sané, uh, Nabri, and and who else was it? Uh, uh, Mane. Okay, Mane, Sané, yes. Nabri. Uh, if this got some tongue twisters going on with uh, uh, with Bayern these days. Yeah. Um, and he, the, he, Nagelsmann's clear instructions, once he sent those guys on there, was don't get hurt. Just shut it down. Just let mm. it start come a little bit. We'll, we're not going to press. We're just going to allow them to circulate the ball a little bit. Let's get this over with and let's get on to PSG. Cool. So, I mean, yeah, they were able to furnish some excitement uh, uh, towards the end, but that was against the team that had stopped playing and was also. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, yeah, Bayern by obviously looking looking strong. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll just kind of review them and say, I just wanted to come to a, a question or a comment from from Balham. So I hope, I hope you're doing well uh, this evening, Balham. Thank you for, for the comments and the questions that have come in so far. Um, do, do we think that this is a, sorry, that the Schalke win away to Balkan, which obviously we shall review in a moment, mm -hmm. is a good result for Stuttgart um, based on obviously the relegation race as it stands. Um, <laughs> I'm not certain if it's a good result or not, to be honest, because it just feels like all of these teams down there uh, so so incredibly reliant on their home form. But then again, having said that, Hertha's home form has only just started to pick up again. Mm -hmm. um, that it, it's just whoever whoever wins their, you know, their crucial matches at home will, will, will avoid the drop, really. Um, and and Schal Schalke's re-emergence has been brilliant. And, yeah, and we will talk about them in a moment. But I can't say whether it's a good result for Stuttgart or not. I'm not sure if you'd want to chime in on that peter uh absolutely why don't you scroll down and we'll take a look at the bottom of the table oh, and um, I, want to, uh, I want to point out um that this is historic never in bundesliga history um have uh nine teams or uh, four teams rather excuse me been tied on 19 points this late in the season um mm -hmm. this is and of course, Hertha are still in the relegation. So you have a, a five-team relegation dogfight going on right now. Yep. And uh, the million-dollar question, the million-euro question, whatever you want to uh, – the, the <laughs> $8,000 pound question is uh, – uh, did I say dollar pound? That didn't, that, that <laughs> um, is which of these teams, you know, uh, really is going to be able to avoid the drop? And I've been thinking about this and I've been thinking about this and I've been racking my brain. I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, all of them are so rife with problems. I mean, Schalke is obviously on the uptick, but they have the big Riviera uh, derby coming this weekend against Dortmund. They do. They do. And, you know, so I just, none of these teams, I don't see how any of these teams get on a real roll. You could say that Schalke does because they've won two straight um, they've got a, a, a solid set of tactics. There's a lot of people that are clicking, but it won't take much for this team to uh, uh, go back to, you know, three, four matches without a goal. I mean, they don't have that great of quality up front. This is, 
highly intriguing stuff. I wish I had better answers. I, I, I really do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, whilst we are concentrating on the relegation race now, let, let us talk about um, Schalke's most recent victory. Uh, and they're second on the bounce, five unbeaten, as obviously you can see on screen. Undefeated in the Rickwinder, Schalke. <laughs> well, yeah, if you kind of have seen anything of the Bundesliga this season in general, you would just think that this is crazy. But yeah. it has brought them on to 19 points with obviously three other sides and then Hertha just above. Um, and their goal difference is slowly improving. But as you say, with Dortmund on the horizon, maybe that takes takes a, a little bit of a battering again. But um, the game itself, uh, Peter, um, well, I say a game of two halves. Borkham certainly um, were the most threatening in, in the first half. Um, obviously, we've given a bit of credit to, to Hoffman, um, but he spoons over a massive chance early on, doesn't he? Um, which obviously could have got Borkham on the front foot and 1-0 up early on. Um, and then I think Antwi Adje, or Antwi Ajay, uh, depending on how, how we're pronouncing it, Perfectly um, had another chance, which is which is well saved, um, and then yeah, uh, just just before half time, Ayman uh, comes out for a cross, a Salazar cross, who was obviously um, energetic and and important for Schalke again, uh, misses misses his clearance, and then in desperation turns around and inadvertently almost punches the ball straight into the back of the net. Um, so that, that obviously makes it 1-0 before half-time. Um, and would you say that was harsh on Balkan based on the balance of play? Of course. And Thomas Reis admitted as much in his in his post-match interview. You know, He admitted yeah. that, his, that his former club uh, played much, much better during the opening 45, particularly when it came to the midfield duels. Um, they, were, they were much better uh, stuck in. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, this Manuel Riemann slapstick own goal, something that everybody should should check out. I mean, it's something that it's one of those things that you should maybe watch on YouTube with like the Benny Hill theme playing. So I mean, <clears throat> yes, Bochum were unlucky in that respect. Um, Schalke did play the, the the much better second half. And Bochum are in real trouble now because uh, the fans booed them off the pitch. Uh, when the fans went to the Ultra Curve there at the Vonovia Rohrstadion, uh, many of them got flipped off. <laughs> um, Philip Förster was was most upset about this uh, after the match. Oh, why is everybody? Why are our hometown fans uh, flipping us off? And so. You know, I, home form is is not always the most relevant thing, but it's but with Bochum it really is. And now that their home form is now that the the Ruhrstadion is no longer a fortress, and the mm -hmm. fans are turning uh, on the team. I also didn't like. I mean, the fans they put up a, a, a an anti Thomas Reis banner, calling him a dishonorable bastard and things like this. That made no sense yeah. to me because Reis got sacked. You know, uh, uh, for mm -hmm. after he opened the the season with six straight losses. Why Why is he a dishonorable bastard? I mean, if he had left Schalke for more money or something like this, or, you know. Yeah, uh, was, was, there, was there chat about 
um, during this period that Rice was negotiating at the time about a new contract and that he yes. wanted new money. So possibly is there that was, what they're referring to? Well, there were a lot of rumors that Rice was trying to move to Schalke in the summer. Right. Uh, and that, uh, yes, as you as you correctly pointed out, he wanted more money and, and mm. things like this. But uh, the Schalke move never materialized. He f- seemed to be comfortable at Bochum. Uh, he did lead them back to the top flight for the first time in 12 years. And I mean, it's yeah, look, I, I, I love the, the passion of the uh, the uh, Revia Club ultras and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You can just look at last week's uh, show when I sang some Herbert Grönemeyer for everybody. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I think that the fans are not doing their struggling team a very good service. Uh, you know, they're doing them quite the disservice at this at this stage in the season. Uh, 11 matches to go and uh, everything's a mess. Uh, the, the, the team is 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 dropping in confidence and, and whatnot. You know, that's it's beginning to look a lot like Bochum, if they do recover, if they can get a string a couple of wins together, it'll, it'll be too late. So if we're to talk about a, a team that's definitely not looking like they can claw their way out of this relegation race, I hate to say it, uh, it's going to be Bochum. And I think some, one of our, our uh, viewers pointed out a few weeks ago how interesting it is that uh, three of the clubs in the relegation race are all blue-white clubs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be, I mean, I guess we have to get Darmstadt promoted uh, in order to get uh, uh, blue-whites uh, oh, uh, back. Blue-whites back, yeah. Yeah, in the, in the Bundesliga, because we don't want the color blue to be underrepresented. But it's looking to be the case that uh, yeah we're going to have bl- three blue teams go down. That's that's weird, you know. And and Hatzo's blue team as well. So <laughs> yeah. uh, let, let's hope the the red and white stay up. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah a, a league high of sixteen defeats, obviously, which you can see on the screen. Their goal difference is suffering week by week. Um, obviously, six wins, you know, is more than their relegation rivals, but. Their inability to maybe draw draw these games as uh, can can obviously be important. You know, points points to points when it's this this tight. Um, and yeah, so Schalke Schalke go marching on. Um, uh, there's a good chance that their unbeaten Rook run the run um, will be yeah snaffled um, this weekend when when they take on their their dear their dear rivals um, in the Riviera. Derby uh, against uh, against sorry against Dortmund, um, but nevertheless, as long as that is not too much of a disaster, Peter, there are certainly signs of of progress. You know, the the set piece uh, move for the second goal, so Salazar cutting back a corner for for Marius Bulta, um to to drive home for a, you know kind of a, a load of bodies, but it found its way into the back of the net. Good, you know, good piece of set play. Um, obviously, that there was a Schlosserbeck, Kevin Schlosserbeck goal towards the end, which was ruled out, which obviously didn't have any impact on the game anyhow. Um, but yeah, not a nice bit of play from Schalke. And as you said, they're you know starting to play towards a system that they can that they can maybe trust and take yeah. forward for the rest of this season. Yeah, I was I was surprised to see them line up in a four one four one because Rice usually sticks to his four two three one, but he had injuries, he had he had issues. He put that Colombian um, Eder Alvarez Balanta in as uh, the sweeper, 
And actually, that didn't work very well. Balanta did not have a very good match. Um, there are many players in, in Schalke white on that particular day, white with blue trim, uh, that did have a good match. But um, I don't think that Balanta was was particularly strong. And what he did, uh, adjustment wise, you know, and reformatting to a three-five-two, brought on Tobias Mora, uh, and Cedric Gruner moved up to be the wingbacks, and uh, Kraus and Karl moved back and to sort of clog the midfield. Salazar uh, operated as the 10. Salazar arrives just in time, by the way, because Drexler uh, was the 10 and, and he's out hurt now. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, something you should mention about Schalke perhaps is, is that they've done a really good job coping. I mean, they've been injury plagued all season. Yeah, they, but have, been. they have. They have been, but, but look at what they, they've, they've lost Kazuki, they've lost Skarka, um, they've lost Wijan, they've lost... Uh, um, Ronan. Um, so they've lost a lot of guys uh, in the last few weeks that were integral to Rice's system. Uh, yep. And they're still getting results. Um, they're getting results with uh, Marius Buta filling in and, and things like this. They're, they're, they're getting there. So it's, it's, that's a double surprise for Schalke that they've been able to cope with a lot of interruptions to what was Rice's plan after the January transfer window, uh, when things, you know, started to go awry. And uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, Mayu Yoshida and Moritz Mercedes Jens, they're playing like the best center half duo in, in, in the Bundesliga right now. It's, it's insane. Uh, they're, you know, they're even better than Sule and Schlotterbeck because Sule and Schlotterbeck rely on Emre Khan for help, as we were talking about at the beginning of the program. Okay. These guys are, they're amazing. And um, so... I think the latest on Jens is uh, who's uh, he's on loan from Celtic. Mm -hmm. If Schalke managed to avoid relegation, there's an automatic purchase clause that's going to cost Schalke four million. That is four million that they will happily pay, and that is money. Yeah, well good business. If they uh, if they manage to avoid the drop. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Good stuff. Um, right. Well, what we'll do is we'll move on to uh, a Sunday game that involved one of the incumbent members of the relegation race, uh, Circa Hertha Berlin, who were hit for four uh, and very quickly brought back down to earth um, by by a pacey Leverkusen side that just simply tore the Hertha back backline to shreds. Uh, it was not a good matchup at all. Uh, the hurt the back line as well seemed incredibly high um for for my viewing and and thoughts so um frimpong and Diaby just cut loose down the right hand side so um there was obviously a setup a cutback for for Asmoon, who mm -hmm. um after a var check uh, the goal was the goal stood uh, that the four ball went over the line um soon after could have had another goal uh, 10 minutes later frimpong was on the receiving end of a cutback himself, uh, this time Diaby doing the work. Uh, so that was 2-0. Unfortunately, that was the end for Frimpong because he did get injured. And, and mm. Timo Fosu-Mensa, um, former Man United boy, of course, uh, lovely to see him playing football again, uh, mm -hmm. was was his replacement. Um, but yeah, and then the third goal, Diaby set up by a sumptuous through ball by the ridiculous Florian Wirtz. Just absolutely love watching him play. Um and yeah, 3-0 three, three was the uh, was the game, Peter. I mean 2-0 was probably the game that's uh, let's be honest here. Um kind of a consolation goal. Look at Bacchio getting a penalty after 
Fosu Mensa very clumsily fouled um, in the area and then Adley adding a lovely strike towards the end. Um, was it just simply a bad matchup for her to this weekend? They, they're so poor on the road as well. Um, Peter, just I think you alluded to this uh, in your in your tactical review. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> um, this was this happened to be one of those matches that, you know, when you look at the team sheets and you see it on paper, you predict how the match is going to unfold. And uh, thankfully, that doesn't happen all that often in football. Mm-hmm. But when you took a look at the um, at the ma- you took a look at uh, Musa Diaby and Jeremy Frimpong going against Marvin Plattenhardt and Mark Oliver Kempf. You mm-hmm. just had a feeling that they were going to get murdered uh, on that Leverkusen right. And yep. and that's precisely what happened. You know, it reminded me a little bit of the was, I think it was two years ago that Leverkusen uh, just demolished Kern on the flanks and uh, and Kern were trying to avoid relegation that year. Friedhelm Funkel yep. was, the, uh, was the interim trainer and Funkel was just like Leverkusen are ungodly fast on the flanks. And then he he had to stop himself. He nearly put his foot in his mouth because he was going to mention that that uh, the, the Leverkusen flankers were. Yes, yes. You remember that? I so do. that that this match made me think of that match because it just it was a no contest, uh, a horrible performance from Hertha. Schwarzer three five two. It just didn't stand a chance when you looked at it on paper. When you looked at the team sheet, and uh, you know it completely, all of that completely came true. Um, glad you've you've got Florian Wirtz a, a mention in there. We're absolutely thrilled and delighted that our young German phenom is back uh, from his ACL injury and uh, hasn't really missed much of a beat. You know, he's back, he's fit, he's mm-hmm. doing all of these sumptuous, amazing things. Uh, and since we have Jamal Musiala as well, hopefully we can look forward to just some incredible dribbling and footwork on the German national team for many, many years to come. Uh, and a big shout out to Sardar Azmoun, the Iranian Messi, uh, who got his uh, second goal. Yeah, second goal in as many matches, another artistic finish. Um, glad that he's in the Bundesliga. He very nearly left. Mm. Uh, but uh, we're very, very, he nearly left in January, but we're glad that he's here. Uh, we absolutely love him. Let's not forget, he took a stance against the Iranian regime. Uh, yes. during the World Cup, uh, prior to the World Cup and, and during it as well. He was a big, big part of why that team uh, protested the uh, absolutely primitive and inexcusable manner in which the uh, uh, Iranian of Islamic Republic was repressing its own citizens, particularly its women. So, um, yeah, lots of uh, good things to report on Leverkusen there. They're playing a terrible team. But uh, <laughs> lots of, you know, very, very, yes. yeah. Yeah, not not a good outing for her to definitely want to forget. Mm. Uh, they'll, they'll be wanting to um, certainly pick pick up that form again, which, as you can see on screen, is mm-hmm. uh, very, uh, very hit and miss. Um, and whilst we're talking of teams that are, well, hit and miss, we, we might as well come on to Augsburg and Werder, um, who played out uh, entertaining two two one victory for uh, for Augsburg and, and Peter? Um, a, a slight pattern is emerging with Augsburg as um, <laughs> they uh, they can quite happily win at home. That's not a problem, but they can also not really be fussed, and they will constantly lose away from home. So they have won four 
from four at home, they've lost four from four away from home in um, in this pattern of, of play. Um, interesting game uh, against Werder, uh, who obviously are only just above them in the table as it stands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's win lose win lose win lose win lose. That's you know you know exactly how to uh, tip an Augsburg game at this point. Uh, you know, that's that's probably the pattern that will continue to the end of the season. To answer Balam's question, I do believe that they're safe. Um, I believe that they're above the relegation fray, particularly after this win. Um, one felt for Bremen because they were by far the better side. Um, Marco Friedel, the, uh, the young Austrian captain, the defender, remarked afterwards that Bremen essentially defeated themselves with their mistakes mm. in this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, they weren't able to capitalize on what were a lot of Augsburg errors, Again, from Renato Vega at the center half position, it's just not working out. You know, don't stop it. So, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a pretty good game from from Vega, I must say. But they um, they didn't take their chances. Niklas Sch- uh, Schmidt, uh, you recall that chance uh, in the match? I mean, he had a, he had wide open Marvin Dux, and he could have taken a couple more touches himself. So the focus just yeah. wasn't there. Um, and uh, you know that's. Well, yeah, they defeated themselves. I mean, these are a couple of mid-table sides that are safe. I don't think either one is going to be uh, pulled into the relegation fray. Uh, the European dream is obviously over for Bremen after this. Augsburg never really had it. Uh, yep. Although we thought they might, they might get there with all of the, the big January signings. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's really all to say about that. Pity for Bremen. Pity for them, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would agree with your remarks that they are too mid-table sides in in the fact that I don't expect them to be dragged into this relegation race. Um, it, yeah, can't, can't see it being beyond those bottom five. To, with Augsburg, pre-order the shirts because every year when they, um, when they avoid relegation, <clears throat> the club releases these shirts that say, I, I saw Balam also asked how many FC Kaiserslautern shirts I own. I don't yes. think I don't think I can admit that uh, on this <laughs> on this podcast yet. Maybe I'll wear one next week. We'll see. Uh, but uh, the, um, the the Augsburg shirt, whenever they avoid relegation, it's this like really cool eight bit Nintendo. You know, you have passed level ten onto level eleven, and they and they do it every year. So it's really really cool. Um, nice. I, I highly suggest uh, getting in the club shop and pre-ordering those because they're going to avoid relegation this year again, and they're going to print up some more of those shirts, and they're a wonderful addition to your collection. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I shall I shall look into that myself. My collection is is ever growing. Um, but yeah, important win for Augsburg as their uh, crazy pattern of form um, continues, and yeah, unlucky on Verda, um, but alas. We uh, we shall move on and we'll move on to, to a game that, again, on paper, from a scoreline point of view, maybe didn't look like the most thrilling. But Mines versus Hoffenheim, Peter, was actually um, quite an, uh, an enjoyable, entertaining game um, when, when you look at it. And it was another defeat for the Sinsheim club. Uh, so they are in, in direct trouble uh, in, you know, in the bottom three as things stand um it was uh, you know barrero's strike from uh obviously an initial first save from bauman uh where they get their goal from um but mines just are a team that are really on the up they're they're one of the form sides in the bundesliga and they could have 
added a bit of gloss to their scoreline. Obviously, Ingvartsen had a goal um, chalked off. Uh, the youngster, Viper, could have had um, a couple more Bundesliga goals adding to his already got. He's cool. Every time he comes on, you you feel like I don't know. That that's wouldn't it be cool if they had like a uh, an actual uh, a viper, you know, <laughs> to have a, a, a you know a viper, a rubber snake in the stands every time he possibly comes on. every time he scores. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, mine's as you correctly point out are in excellent form. I've been tipping them for the conference league spot. I think three weeks in a row now, and it's a good right. thing I'm right about something. I get some things right, I get some things wrong. That's that's uh, <laughs> part of the, it's the nature of the business. Um, you know, it was a great game for Mainz. Even though the scoreline was only one nil, Mainz really were in full control for the full ninety minutes. Both Svensson's engine, his machine, is running impeccably well. Yeah, uh, and I really uh, I love the play of the two former Eintracht Frankfurt players, uh, Danny De Costa, who has still displaced captain Silvan uh, Widmer. Yeah, he's uh, the captain out. Yeah, and what a game from him. And uh, also uh, Dominic Hardcore, uh, who uh, had to be subbed off at the half. I thought initially that when, when Svensson subbed him off for Stach, it was a tactical change. I think he was uh, not feeling too well. So it, mm. it, it might have had something to do with uh, a, a illness or a light injury. Yeah. Um, but even that worked. You know, he took off Kua, who was one of the best players uh, in the first half, and brought on Stach, sort of a <clears throat> what's the, the phrasing you could use? I mean, Kaur is like a, a midfield destructor. Yes. And and, Kor, and Stach is, is kind of more like a conductor. And, uh, you know, the two styles worked well in both 45s. So uh, Svensson's a great trainer. I'm going to hate when he goes to the premiership. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, they're, they're, yes, the Mines Project, it's all working. A Jorkes uh, uh, and uh, Hansha Olsen, these two signings from. Uh, uh, the January transfer window, they've been amazing. They've Sounded really, yes, they've absolutely helped this team up its game. Two great targeted signings. Uh, a Kaiserslautern fan should not be heaping all of this praise on again on Mainz. I know that they're, you know, okay, some of my my uh, uh, hometown people are not going to like it, but I have to say they're just a good team. What can I say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 19 goals in eight games since the winter break. Four on the bounce with 11 goals and only conceding three. Um, yeah, the stats don't lie. They, they have been terrific. Um, stats also don't lie for Hoffenheim. Lost six six straight matches for the first time since 2012. Um, and, uh, I mean, uh, of course, former VFB Stuttgart, uh, head head coach, head trainer, Pellegrino Matarazzo, do with this side, Peter, because, uh, I mean, they're, they're a team that surely should not be in this mess. Yeah, I mean, um, I have to, I write about Matarazzo's tactics every week in my Americans in the Bundesliga column, and I just, uh, you know, completed a sort of a deeper scout of the game. He tried his fourth novel tactical constellation, a four-two-three-one. This time, uh, not you know, I, I, I'm not. I want. I was looking for some positives. I gave him a, a B-level grade last week uh, because I thought that the team played, you know, pretty. They had, there was a lot of encouraging signs in the in the loss against Dortmund, but I think we're we're back to square one here after this match. I think that he just. 
you know, Matarazzo was talking after the match about how he saw some patterns. I didn't see any patterns uh, in the Sinsheimer play. I, I didn't see anything that resembled a footballing thesis. So, I mean, it's back to square one, back to the drawing board, whatever way you want to say it. He's got to all of a sudden scratch all of this and come up with something new because the, the, the light progress that they were making in the coming weeks or in the recent weeks has all been washed away now. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, that you know, now have the second most amount of defeats in the Bundesliga. Um, when, when you consider where they were at, you know, at the front end of this season is quite quite the fall. Um, they're, obviously, their goal difference is similar enough to Stuttgart's and Hertha's um, to maybe not be a problem in that respect. And um, oh, um, they, they can yeah. recover, um, but yeah for now well, is still looking pretty grim yeah we we need to mention Dietmar Hopp's announcement this week that he wanted to return Hoffenheim to 50 plus one um that is something that actually that's a basically a, a footballing earthquake uh it in is. the German football scene perhaps we'll talk about that in greater depth in another week uh but a massive shift in in German football fandom's perception of Hoffenheim uh, as we see how how Hub uh, plans to do this uh, over the coming weeks. Yep, absolutely. Um, right. Well, I'm trying to uh, find what what games we haven't actually come to yet. Let's um, let's maybe do uh, where are we? Let's do the entertaining uh, Sunday afternoon match between um, two sides whose European ambitions are starting to falter somewhat and uh, maybe even Frankfurt's uh, slight glimpses of what could have been a really entertaining title race uh, are certainly at an end after they shared um, four goals in what was a pretty crazy first half. Um, Peter, some um, some pretty poor play uh, for the first goal for Wolfsburg, I would say, uh, as Marmouche went through. So, rounded Kevin Trapp quite easily as Evan and Dicker tried to play the offside line, which didn't work. Um, so maybe I'm being too harsh, but I thought um, there were two errors within that to go one in up. But Frankfurt responded really well uh, off the back of two uh, pretty good crosses. Um, so Kola Moani getting his standard goal, lovely header, in fact, and um, quite a rare header from him. I think that's only his second um, header goal from a, a booter um, cross, and he is really um, impressing at the moment. And then mm. um lashing home a great half volley after mm. a bit of poor play from Wolfsburg, not being able to to clear their lines. Um, but then uh, before the half was out, Gerhardt was able to equalise um, through a near post header from a Vimmer um, free kick, making it 2-2. Second half, a bit more cagey, um, but there was a, still a chance for Castiles to fumble late on and almost and Dicker getting on the end of that. Um, There's quite a lot of hair, harem scaring moments for goalkeepers this weekend as well, wasn't there, Peter? Um, Trap was a bit rash, uh, Castiles, well, and we've Trap, already gone through the yeah. others. You knew that this was going to be a crazy match because of what happened shortly after kickoff. I mean, they noticed that the... Um, the the goalpost the goalpost was too high, 
uh, Oliver yeah. Glasner uh, uh, noticed that and he told Nico Kovac about it. And then they told the match official. And the match official goes over to Trap and says, Your goalpost is too high. Trap's like, What? Uh, so he had to get up there and do pull-ups uh, on the goalpost to get the the, uh, the the post back into its post hole, into its moorings. And, you know, from that point onward, you're like, how are we going to have a regular football match after this? And and yes. that's you know basically what what transpired. Um, it was a it was a real fun match to watch, uh, even in the uh, the second 45 where there were no goals because there were all of those chances that you just alluded to. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> the big story of, of course, uh, from this, I mean, you would, you would think that the story might have something to do with Glasner returning to Wolfsburg or, or Kovac, his own old team or something like that. All of that was pretty, uh, you know, that was negated once they had the little conference at the beginning and, and decided, Hey, we got to fix the goalpost. Uh, <laughs> Yannick Gerhardt, uh, wow. Um, you know, his assist of that goal and his, his goal later, he is Wolfsburg's leading scorer now. Um, I think that that's an amazing story. Uh, we were talking about Marius Wolf uh, probably getting his first call up to the German senior national team. I would probably nominate Gerhardt as well at this point uh, in the form that he's in. Uh, and if you take that together with Nicolas Fuhrkrug, you have three late bloomers uh, who've been called up to the national uh, team this year. You know, guys who yeah. represented the country at youth level, but then sort of went away and and. and you know, uh, uh, then didn't get their their first national team call up until they were in their late twenties. So that's what I think is most interesting about that match. It's a fun match. Uh, yeah. It's hard to, to glean lessons from it because yes, you know, yeah. it was just there was so much slapstick, there was so much goofiness going on, and, and, and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yes. Uh -huh. well, one thing that I took from this, and yeah, Gerhardt. So he's got six goals and two assists now in the Bundesliga. His previous best was two goals. So absolutely smashing it, as you say. Um, Kola Moani getting his 11th goal, and he's already got 10 assists alongside that. So he's contributed more goals than any player um, so far this Bundesliga season. But Kola Moani only has one more goal than Dodi Lukabakio in the Bundesliga. I'd... I'd Find that crazy. I, I'm, I, I don't know where Luka Bakio's 10 goals have come from. I, I must have missed them all. He's obviously had, he's scored a few recently, but uh, when yeah, I was looking scored, at that earlier, it, I think he scored um, three from how many has he scored from the spot? Uh, four, uh, yeah, he's, definitely. Yeah, he's converted yeah, uh, four penalties. Uh, so yeah, he's the Hatta's main penalty taker, and actually, he's always takes the ball away from his teammates when it comes time to take a spot kick, which is something that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of controversial. I mean, look, the race for the Golden Cannon this year is marvelous. Um, it is. I'm so, yeah, yeah. sorry to, to see that Nkunku got hurt, um, you know, because he could have uh, caught up there. But Grifo, Vincenzo Grifo's in it. Jamal Musiala yes. is in it. Uh, Julian Brandt is catching up uh, at this point. Um, I guess we don't really miss Robert Lewandowski. I mean, the race for the Golden Ken wasn't particularly all that fun when Robert Lewandowski was playing in the Bundesliga. <laughs> this is <laughs> it yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree. No, it is, it is nice having a bit of fresh um, kind of talent and, and excitement to, to that kind of chase, absolutely. Um, right, good stuff. So we'll just close up um, paying tribute or acknowledging the two stalemates that obviously were nil-nil draws, uh, including Union. 
uh, and Köln, uh, two sides that at the moment are struggling to score, uh, and Freiburg and Gladbach, which was actually quite filled with um, happenings, shall we speak? Not only Remy Bensibaini being involved in all sorts of things, uh, mm-hmm. as well as a rather um, not so perfect moment getting sent off very, very quickly for two no, yellow cards. Total idiot. I mean, for, yes. yes, you know, with his little sardonic. Um, uh, yeah, so a player being very heavily linked to a move to BVB as well, Peter. Um, I think the fan base are quite torn on this because he's obviously a player that will bring a lot to the Dortmund side, but is he more trouble than he's worth? Uh I, well, first of all, I don't know if Ben Zabaini is going to Dortmund. I don't believe these these rumors that Ben Zabaini is in agreement with Dortmund any more than I believe the ones that Daichi Kamada is. Yeah, these have yeah, been reported those, yeah. upon, they've been reported upon falsely more times than I can count. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point that you know when I when I see them pop up, uh, when I'm reviewing German news sources, I don't even bother to write the article for Bully News anymore because we've 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 reported you know. Ben Sabayini in agreement with Dortmund, Kamada in agreement with Dortmund. We've reported this, no joke, like three or four times for mm. both players. So I don't know if they're going there uh, at all. Um, yeah, I mean, Gladbach, what they need to do in order to get out of this mid-table mediocrity that we've been talking about is they need to offload the guys that don't want to be there anymore. And that means uh, Remy Ben Sabayini, it means Marcus Taram, it means, you know, there's all sorts of players who are leaving, who have expiring contracts and need to get elsewhere while they rebuild with uh, players who are committed to the team and who are committed to the mission. Uh, And uh, yeah, I mean, they just, when Marco Rosa left and then, and then, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Max Abel also left. I mean, there's just the heart and soul came out of of the team's long term mission, and so they'll be happy to be rid of of some of these players and and bring up some of their own guys. Maybe Luca Nets or this Lucas Ulrich kid from Hertha can take Ben Sabayini's place. Um, yeah, uh, it's. But I I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying that Ben Sabayini or Kamada are going to Dortmund until I see them in the freaking shirt because I'm tired of reporting on this stuff that, that yeah. is just patently untrue. Absolutely. <laughs> um, that's probably uh, a fairly good and okay place to, to leave tonight's show. Uh, and so myself and Peter will be able to whiz off and, and watch the uh, the match. We'll just be kicking off right now. Just a nice little comment coming in uh, from Jason Drake. Been watching the Bundesliga for about 10 years now. Uh, only second season of playing Bundesliga fantasy. Uh, nice to be part of what's uh, hopefully building a great community. Um, so I hope you are enjoying the shows at the moment, Jason, the fantasy show, and obviously tonight's show as well. Um, great. The, second, um, the Over the Bar Village Footballer Bully News Partnership is a wonderful community, and we're very, very grateful for all of those who, who come to participate in Europe's best football league with us. So thank you very much, Jason. That's a great comment. Yeah, absolutely agreed. So, yeah, all there is to say is thank you very much for everyone that has tuned in this evening. And if you're watching this subsequently uh, or tuning into the podcast, hope that you've enjoyed tonight's show. Hope that you enjoy all the football that is to come this week. There's plenty to look forward to. Make sure you do remember to smash a like on the video. Comment subsequently if you've not watched live with us this evening and subscribe by pressing that big red button. Uh, And we... Uh, shall see you all next time. So till till then. Cheers all.